0: You are really in for a great treat. I mean, this is, it's so cool that I'm able to do this with uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Darren because these guys are just really cool. If I didn't have to host this, I would still be here. I mean, sometimes they ask you to host things, you're like, what am I even hosting that place for? I got nothing to do with a Wonder Woman. But my name's Kurt Seberg. And um, my wife, Pam, and I, we pastor Victory Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in the Amish country. And, and uh, we've got a, we have five multi-sites, just purchased land and a building for our sixth. And so we're pretty excited about it. And just have my wife just talk a little bit about our family as well.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm Pam. It's really great to be here with you. Ark is the bomb. If you're still kicking, right? If you're still kicking the tires, it's time to get in this baby and drive off, right? So um, Ark is a great place. to connect we're really grateful that we've had the opportunity to be part of this awesome family and be here with you all today so we've got four awesome kids um, awesome partners in ministry they're all adults two of them are married Uh, one our oldest daughter is here with us today (laughs) and she is the best gift giver because she's given us two grandbabies and is the best yeah best stage of life we are loving it Um, Best part about raising kids in ministry is that they love Jesus they, with all their hearts. They love the local church and they truly are our partners in ministry. So we're super, super excited about that and really great to be here and hear what these guys have to say um, together this, this afternoon. Thanks.
0: It was about six years ago. We were kind of doing ministry on our own as a church, and uh, no real, no real covering and relational covering that we had over us. And we were beginning to experiment with this whole thing of multi-site, and. Uh, somebody gave us the name of Pastor Rick cause I had never met you or anything like that. And they said, you just, need to, you just need to call this guy. And so I'm like, this guy's already got a number of campuses. He'll be able to help us, but we'll never get him on the phone. We called and he said to me, he said, call me back in about a half hour and bring your whole team around the phone. And he spent an hour and a half with us on the phone, on speakerphone, answering all of our questions. And <laughs> and I, I was Gibt it on uh, hey, hey, if, can you imagine
2: how embarrassing this moment <laughs> would be if he called me in a time of need and I never returned the call yeah. and he had to introduce me on multi sites? So yeah, that the joker
0: never returned my call. Yeah. But uh, it, it really touched my heart. And knowing that he was connected with ARC was really one of the big things that got us connected, our church, to be connected with ARC. So Pastor Rick, we thank you so much for that. Pastor Rick is in Arkansas. They got a mess of campuses there. Uh, he, I did not know this about you. That you laid aside a professional golfing career, and so to go ahead long, and to begin a pastor
3: church. Long time ago.
0: <laughs> and so I'm excited about that and the things that he's got to share today with us and also Pastor Darren Pastor Darren is the senior executive pastor and he is the one that puts together all the, the plans and the visions and the strategists for all of this as well all of Pastor Rick's crazy dreams I'm sure he makes all those things happen so would you guys put your hands together for two awesome guys They okay, we love you guys
3: <laughs> alright guys well, I just want to know uh, who we have in the room here, and uh, how many of you guys are multi-site already? Raise your hand if you're multi-site. All right, how many of you guys are looking at going multi-site? Okay, so that's kind of the topic we're going to aim at here today, is talk a little bit about how do we land to, to 18 campuses. And uh, before we do that, though, I do again want to let you guys know that, that I've been knowing Pastor Rick now, it's going on 30 years, man. And uh, I do want to give it up for my pastor because this month he celebrates 30 years of marriage and also 30 years in ministry, man. And that's, that's definitely an awesome thing there, man. But you know, guys, uh, we started in Arkansas and it was, it was almost 17 years ago when we look back and one of the whole thoughts was when we, when we launched the first campus, it wasn't long after that that we had an opportunity to look and say, hey, it's time to go ahead and launch a new campus. And I think it's very important when you start thinking about multi-site. Some of you are already in multi-site. But one of the most important things is, is the campus you're at right now. When you think about the campus you're pastoring, and I, and I think that's so important, Pastor Rick, of just telling them, is it important to love the campus? Do you like the campus you're at? Or if you don't like the campus, you just start another campus. So why do you think it's so important to like the campus that you're at. Yeah,
2: a lot of times people say, well, I don't like what's happening here, so I'm going to start another campus, and then maybe I'll like that. Uh, (laughs) You won't like the next one if you don't like the first one. And, uh, and I, I think it's very important that, that you understand that. Uh, but by the way, the, the way that we ended up, I, I think it's very important that you keep honor in your culture. Uh, to do that, I wanna to introduce to you two campus pastors that we have that are here right now. And in fact, it's really three because one of them is an assistant campus pastor. Uh, I wanna ask Jason and Garrett to stand. And uh, if you would give, come on, these are campus pastors. And uh, thank God for them. And then my son, uh, right behind them, who's also a campus pastor for the last few years, and then uh, three of our worship leaders—actually, uh, three of them are here. Would you please stand, Christian Wesley and Brandon, our music director? Uh, but uh, Darren mentioned that we've known each other for 30 years. You cannot do ministry without somebody who is loyal and smart around you. And uh, and and I pray that everyone who I ever mentor will find someone like Darren. Let me just say this. Some people, they leave where God has called them to be established in the second position to go and start something in the first position and it destroys what they left. This brother could have left many times And still probably has opportunity. You're probably thinking about leaving now. And uh, he could have left many times, but he stays right there. And I really would like for you to honor my friend Darren DeLong. Thank God for that. Okay. I was, I was on staff at a church for 14 years, Bethany World Prayer Center in Baton Rouge. Uh, it's now called Bethany Church. Uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill, a fast-growing church. And I was doing a lot of church consulting work, a lot of, a lot of different denominations, different-sized churches. And uh, so Pastor Larry had me doing a lot of that. And I was studying when churches were growing and when they were not growing. And I was, I was writing down these ideas, like if I ever plant a church, this is what I would do. I would, I would do what this church is implementing or I would never do what this church is implementing. You can always find great things at every church. Just go ahead and know that. You can learn at every church, every size church, but you can also learn what not to do at every church as well. And so I was making that list. This list ended up becoming our values and our vision. And I want to be clear about that for a second. Your vision will change through the years, but your values better never shift at all. And so when I, when, I, when, I, when I was on staff at Bethany, I thought I was going to be there for the rest of my life. I was sort of like a Darren Delon at that church. But then the Lord started stirring my heart up to leave and I knew I wasn't going to do it without the blessing of our pastor. Problem is, I was scared of our pastor. And uh, his name is Larry Stockstill. Raise your hand if you know Pastor Larry. If you ever get a chance to sit in a session with him, do it. He's one of the best Bible teachers and leaders. If you would study all the leaders that have come out of Bethany Church, it would blow your mind. I could name some uh, that you would be very familiar with, but I knew I had to have the blessing for him. So I told him, I said, Pastor Larry, I wanna talk to you about about something, but I didn't wanna talk to him soon. I wanted to schedule it like a year down the road. So I went up to him and said, Pastor Larry, I saw him in the foyer. Pastor Larry, I wanna talk to you about something, but I I wanna schedule it. He goes, well, tell me right now. And I said, no, sir, I really wanted to schedule an appointment. And he goes, no, tell me right now. I said, sir, can we schedule an appointment later on this year? And uh, he goes, well, okay. He said, if you want to tell me later, tell me tonight. Our boys play ball together, you can tell me tonight. So I was like, man, that's pretty quick. So I prayed for it to rain so the game would be canceled. But it wasn't, and there he was under the trees, always early, always early, never late. And I showed up and I walked up to him. He said, what do you want? And I said, Pastor Larry, I feel like the Lord is stirring my heart up to plant a church. And he interrupted me. And he said, listen, this is not a good time. We're starting another campus on the south side of town. It's not a good time. And uh, and I, I interrupted him back. I said, Pastor Larry, I didn't come here, sir, to tell you what I'm going to do. I came here to share my heart with you. Because I know you don't want me talking to anyone else about this. So if you don't like the idea, just shut it down. He goes, okay, let's shut it down. And that was it. So it didn't go so well. But it was a, so, so it was a, it was a year or two later that he looked in my eyes. He, he caught me walking by. He said, hey, that dream of planting a church is not dead inside of you, is it? And I took a deep breath. I was trying to see if this was a trick question. And uh, and I said, no, sir, it's really not. He goes, okay, if you can look in my eyes and tell me where God has called you to live for the rest of your life, I'll bless it and I'll let you leave. So I drove home quickly. I got home and Michelle and I opened up an atlas. Do you remember what those are? And, uh, and we looked at the United States of America. Do you know how big the United States of America is? And we just started praying over the, all the regions. And finally we found Arkansas. It's a long story, but we, we met back with him. He prayed over us and we moved there with only knowing one family in the state. And, uh, and it was a scary time. Some people say, you must've felt a lot of faith. I felt, I felt stupid to plant a church most of the time. And we started the church and, uh, and we had 508 people at the very first service. And and then it started the gideon's revival started going down after that uh, 380 the next week 320 the third week and that's the lowest we ever got Uh, we started growing immediately and rapidly and then we started our second campus uh four months later and uh officially uh, about six months later Uh, but it was four months when we assumed the campus and we started working it trying to pray about it and uh, our vision was really quickly to have 50 campuses in the state of Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is a small state. There's only 3 million people that live in the entire state. There's really no city uh, that has boundaries that where you can identify one city with over 100,000 people, really. I mean, you have metropolitan areas that are larger than that, but there's no city. So it's a small state. So we're convinced that it can be the first Christian state and the union in the nation. And uh, so we can't do it alone. So we're working with other churches, but we believe we should have 50 campuses and we, we're not close to it. We're not near about there. We do have 18 now. And uh, a year ago, we were at 11. And so over the last 12 months, we started seven more. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's really going well for us. So we wanna teach you uh, we tried to keep this from being too sophisticated. You guys are tired right now. And, uh, and, and, and I know that it's hard to pay attention. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you straight up uh, some of the things that you need to know and then I'm gonna answer your questions. And I don't care how specific they are to your need. Uh, we're, we're gonna answer those questions. And then, then when we're done, we're gonna say bye and I'm just hoping that it'll help you. But the first thing is, uh, is, is very important. You cannot start a campus if you hate the first campus. And, uh, and I'll just say along with that, the hardest campus you will start is the second one, which is really the first campus because your first, first place you start a church and then you start a campus. You never call the first one a campus. Uh, then you call the second one a campus, but you have to like the first one. Uh, another point that I think is worth taking is don't start a campus in order to grow. It'll never work. You only start a campus if you're already growing. So if you're thinking, man, we, we're just not growing. Uh, maybe if we start another campus, then we would grow. It'll never happen. You got to grow. It's like adding a service when you don't have a full service. You would never start a second service. So we only have, you know, 50% of this this service is full. But let's start another one. We can grow. Uh, it will not happen. You have to have... You you want to have
3: momentum before you start a place that can create more momentum. You know, when I think about momentum, um, one of the things that we kind of look at when we're going to launch a new campus, a lot of it goes back to, do we already have families in that area? And so I think when you're looking at a a new campus, it's kind of what we call in in, in our kind of within is, is like a shared market. We already have people coming from that city. And so when we go to start that next campus, I want you to think about that. We got a group of people already that's kind of been in-house and so if you want to launch in a sense a second campus you launch with people you already have and I think that's important to look at than just simply just going out there and say how am I start another campus so having a second campus with people that were at the original campus it pretty much helped us set the DNA going forward and so I think when you're looking at that next campus a lot of times you can look at it and say hey where do we have people coming from that are already attending our church. And the cool thing what happens with that, immediately when you send people out, because some of you might be weird about that and say, man, if we, if we kind of send people out from this campus, we, we're not gonna have as many people. But again, that opens the door right there for new people to come in. And so anytime we've launched a campus, yeah, we're growing already and as we send them out, but what happens, we backfill immediately because it gives more room for people to come in. And so when you think about that next campus, I do think it's very important you look at and say, hey, do we already have people there? And I want to throw something out there, Rick, because we didn't really hit this at the beginning. But again, liking your campus, I understand that. But when you think about the state of Arkansas, most of you probably don't dream about going on vacation there. How many of y'all dream about going on vacation at Arkansas? Probably not many. And I think it's important to note that, you know, Pastor Rick, when he looked at that atlas, like many of you do when you think about planting a church or doing a a multi-site campus, we always want to go to the place that's the biggest. We want to go to the place that's the sexiest, man. This is the place to go. And then here it is, God laid on Pastor Rick's heart after many other opportunities he had to settle in a sense a small state. I mean, three million people. Some of you guys got that in your city. You see what I'm saying? And when, when he committed to that, I want to remind all of you, don't forget about those smaller cities around you too because yeah we've hit a lot of the larger cities but we're also hitting the small cities and and I think that's so important but again that goes back to what pastor Rick's model that he was willing to go to places that most people wouldn't go and out of that we've seen it happen time and time again especially with the smaller cities but just thinking again about liking your campus but don't look at a small city as a negative I think that's important to look at it as a positive. No, approach. I mean in
2: the book of Acts, it says that God has determined the exact times you would live and the places that you would live. God calls people to cities, which leads us to the next point. We never pick the next city. We pick the next leader. The leader picks the city. I live in a city called Conway, Arkansas. I, I think it's the greatest place in all of the world to live. When I, when I speak to someone, I assume they feel the same way. And no one does except for 60,000 people. Uh, but I am called there supernaturally. I don't wanna live anywhere else. It, it scares me to even think about it. Where did that come from? From the Holy Spirit. And I want every one of our campus pastors, their whole family, including their kids, to love the city they're going to because if they do not, they're not going to do well. You don't want anyone passing through the city to start a campus. You want them to live there for the rest of your life. Can I have an amen on that? And so we, we spent a lot of time trying to to hear from the Lord. Darren was referring to something. That I've, I've never said this before, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. He talked about proximity. He said, it's, it's a blessing when you start a church with close proximity. Uh, and, and the reason why is because it's like corralling sheep over. So let's say this was a church. This, this was our church. Let's say we had five services in here and we filled it up. Okay, we start doing the study and we found out that at 15 minutes from here is a large pocket of people who attend here. Let's say this is 1,000, let's say 1,500 people attending this church, counting every man, woman, and child. But we found there's a pocket of people, three or 400, who live in this other area and someone has a burden to go over there, you're ready, okay? So then you go over there and you start the church. We, we, we could talk more about the mechanics of how to do that. But right now I'm trying to give you a very important conviction that I think you should own. If you send somebody over there, that is gonna be the fastest way to start another site because it's in close proximity and, and the people are gonna move from your campus over there so you can grow here now because we have five services. Now we have space. We had a lot of people go over there. We call it cannibalism. That campus eats people from here. Then you can grow twice. That's the positive. If you want to grow fast, do it that way. But what is the negative? And this is the part I've never shared. It's difficult on the sending campus because the people who want to go over there are the most ambitious leaders you have. And when they go over there, it's gonna hurt the original campus. So I just wanna warn you ahead of time to try to beef up before that day, because it's one thing to raise up a leader when you have no leader. It's completely different when you've raised up leaders who are about to take first chair, because others are leaving. We've done it both ways. Uh, when When we planted a lot of our campuses recently that have had that corralling effect, uh, we, we weren't ready for it. And it takes about a year or two to get that campus back ready. And you lose the DNA and it takes a while. It's like you're preaching to a bunch of people that are not even yours if you do it too rapidly. So consider that, but be aware uh, that it can, it can hurt the church. So uh, I, think, I think another uh, valid point is the way that we do campuses. Now, let me just share this. Uh, Will video work? Yes. Will live speaking work at every campus? Yes. Will a hybrid of both work? Yes. There is no, there is no area of our nation that I have seen yet and I have looked around that multi-site will not work. So if you're under the mindset that it won't work here, Around your style of ministry, it's just not true. But play around a little bit. Let the Holy Spirit give you the concoction that's best for you. How do we do that? I'm a relational guy, and I love systems, but once they're established, I just wanna know you. So that's the strength of our church. We're very loyal, no one ever leaves our church, we love what's going on. Uh, we fight for collaboration and we listen to one another's ideas. And, and uh, it's hard to be a relational church because if somebody dies of cancer, it's painful. And you may want to stop that. Like it hurts when someone falls into sin when you're relational. But it's just the way that we have to live to, to have our, our meaning. So what that means for us is I like to raise up speakers I'm not intimidated when someone comes up to me and says, Rick, I want to preach more. That doesn't bother me. I'm like, seriously? Where some churches like, it's not all about preaching. You need to know what your heart is like when you hear that. Are you secure enough to hear it? What if they preach better than you? Does that bother you or motivate you? And I'm the type person where it demotivates me when, when they can't preach. When they can't preach better than me, I'm, I hate it. When they can preach better than me, I love it. So we're always raising up speakers. So our campuses, this is our schedule for the week. I write the sermons. I send them out to everybody. Uh, <clears throat> these guys are great preachers. And it's usually men who are campus pastors, but some of their wives speak. Um, here and there, and they can preach as much as they want. Uh, but, but we start these campuses out. I send them the sermons on Thursday. They study at Thursday. I send a second edition on Friday, sometimes even a third edition on Saturday. But they start working on it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Saturday night, I have two services to do at the main campuses. Well, they don't have any. So now they're watching the sermon that I've written that they've made on their own. They can't preach it just like me. They have to make it on their own. So I've saved them a lot of time because I've written the sermon in such a way that it's thinking about them. But now they're hearing me speak it. So it's like, okay, I'm starting to understand this much more. And then the next day they get to preach. If they listen to the sermon, they go, I just can't do it like that. I'm going to play the video. I don't mind. If they uh, listen to the sermon and there's one point in it that I really like, it's not uncommon for me to send that, that point. Let's say it's point number three and there's three points in the sermon. They get up and they preach. They preach the first point. They preach the second point. When they get to the third point, they go, Rick was speaking about this last night. Instead of me telling you, Check it out, and interactively, I'm right there. I get to play on the video, and then they close it out, and so I'm still there, but I'm not really there. And that kind of keeps the uh, the huge vision of the, the the slogan that we've had, the Arkansas God sees, uh, right there in the front of the table. Do I pick a sermon, a point that I'm that I was hilarious in? Maybe, but that's not the goal. Do I pick a point where the revelation was like so cool? No, I pick a point where I felt the Holy Spirit was breathing on it the moment. No, I usually pick a point that can help our vision because we wanna make sure that we are a unit together. So that's pretty much
3: how. I I think think that's, you know, when you start looking at multi-site, Rick's talking about allowing, in a sense, other leaders to stand up and let them lead. And and I think one of the challenges that all of us deal with at some point in our ministry and our life is, there's two reasons why we don't want to give ministry away. One is, there's, he's already covered that, and that is we're insecure. Some of you might look at it and say, man, is the church not going to divide now if I give that person that much liberty to speak or whatever? Some of you guys, have y'all ever had that fear before? you thinking through that, you know? But another thing I think a lot of times that we deal with, and let's just be honest here, is we get narcissistic. It's kind of like nobody can do it like me. And and let me just tell you something, when you think about 18 campuses, what God has blessed us with over the past 17 years, this is not a model in a sense that it's like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Because I've watched Pastor Rick, and and here's the thing about many lead pastors. We can say that we empower people to lead, but do you really release them to lead? And so I think when you're thinking being multi-site, there's a lot of what you're gonna have to look at and say, I'm gonna have to let this go. Very important, you let it go. And again, when you let it go, so it's, it's to make sure you've empowered somebody, but you gotta learn to release them as well. That's right. And I've seen that time and time with Pastor Rick, as he talks about raising up speakers. The first time I spoke, guys, let me just tell you, there's no way I would ever came back to that church. I think he counted, I said 110 amens. All right, can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? But instead of kicking me out, he said, Darren, look, this is what you did. And he straight up, I mean, straight up about it. And he says, okay, let's have another shot at it. And so when you're looking at going multi-site, you have to settle in your heart. Am I willing to let go of some things? All right, and there's some things that are are non-negotiable. And we can talk some of that, there's some practical things that are non-negotiable you hold on to. But when it comes about empowering leaders, it's something Rick has done, and I've seen it for 30 years. When he started the youth ministry 30 years ago, here I was, I just got saved and he's like, hey man, why don't you share your story, your testimony? I preached on the, on the 10 virgins, y'all. What the heck does that mean? I have no idea. Just threw it out there, man. It was horrible, two minutes, I knew all that, that's it. But again, <laughs> what a sermon. He, he just threw it out there, <laughs> get out there. Why, because he saw oh, potential. My gosh. And so if you are a lead pastor in here, a senior pastor, you're thinking multi-site, you do gotta think, beyond your own little realm. And you gotta start thinking about how do I empower these other pastors to lead, be secure in your calling, but allow them to lead. And when you do that, here's the thing that I've learned from Pastor Rick. It's not just fulfilling the God dream that God's put in him. His dream is to see God's dream fulfilling the leaders around him as well. And so as a lead pastor, when you're going out multi-site, you gotta settle that in your heart what's essential and what's non-essential as far as you leading the church. That's right. And there's a lot of equipping that goes on, but here's the question, are you really releasing these guys to lead? Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I know when all of our campus pastors were very appreciative of Rick, because again, yeah, there's things that he's definitely looking at. He's leading with vision, but he also knows too, hey, this guy's got a heart. This guy can really speak. I'm gonna let him speak as well. And there's no insecurity about it. But I think one of the the next things you look at multi-site, we're talking about a guy that can speak or a lady that can speak. But Rick, when you look for a campus pastor, because when we start thinking multi-site, we can't necessarily duplicate ourselves and and run here to there to all these different sites, although you did that with the first Mm -hmm. campus. But when you think about a campus pastor, because I know these guys are looking for that next pastor, that next campus pastor. When you think about campus pastors to be successful in a multi-site, what do you look for and a campus pastor. What's some of the main things yeah. you look for in the, You know,
2: it depends on how you're going to do it. For us, since we let them lead and preach, I look for those two things. Somebody who can lead, they can, they can fill a room up. Uh, maybe they were a children's pastor, but that ministry grew. Maybe they were a youth pastor, but it was growing. If they haven't ever built anything inside of the church, they're probably not going to build anything on their own over there. So I look for good leaders with results. Uh, can they raise up leaders who raise up leaders? Uh, And then can they speak? And by the way, here's a ratio for you. For every thousand people you have in your church, you should have five people who can speak as well as you. For every thousand people in your church, you should have five people. And if you don't have them, you have to take responsibility. It is your fault. So start working on it. Look, some of our communicators, I found them in the foyer of our church. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep. And the guy said something that was funny. Then he said something that was meaningful. And then I could tell he knew the word. And it was like, my goodness, you're a speaker. So I started working on their life message. This takes a long time. Started like, what was, what's, what's, what's your life message? What are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, what makes you cry? What could be, when you die, what do you want them saying about you at your funeral? Man, I care a lot about family marriage, leadership, uh, making good decisions, being led by the Spirit of God, whatever it might be. And you help them craft together a sermon on that topic and then you work with them. And then I've done it so many times where I met them in the church. I mean, we have a large church and I met them in the church and I'm the only one there. And they have a mic in their hand and they're up front and they preach to me their sermon that we've been working on. And it's always horrible. They've never preached before. some of them. And so I listen to them and I take note. And the first thing they always do is, well, Rick, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to open up with. No, 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 no. Preach it.
3: I, I want to welcome guys, everybody here. Front row I'm sitting now, right, there right there taking notes. Nobody's in the sanctuary. I want to welcome everybody
2: right here today. <laughs> you know, it's really <laughs> awkward, but they get through it. And I'm taking notes and I'm trashing the sermon. And uh, by the way, they're so nervous that I make them memorize their sermon. It takes a month to do. And so, because we get it down and then we click out things that are not relevant. There's 10 things in every sermon that I just ask them to put in. And by the time I teach you what these 10 things are and they work it and work it. And then they show up again and they speak it to me. And when it gets ready, I tell them, you're ready. We find the best venue for them to speak in and then they speak it. And uh, look, if you're a youth pastor and you preach to the entire church and you ace it, you're going to have an easier time raising up leaders. Uh, You're going to have a a more influential ministry. But if you're a youth pastor and you get up there and you bomb, no one's going to want to work with you. So I think it's my responsibility to raise up leaders. I used to go out of town the first five years and everybody in their church would complain. Where have you been? Why did you go out of town? We hate it when you leave and it would embarrass me. Like, I can't believe I am building a pulpit church that is centered around my name. I I never wanted that kind of church. So I started working on it and working on it until uh, we developed uh, communicators. Uh, Another thing uh, that we're doing right now that I think is extremely interesting, Uh, How many of you worry, raise your hand right now, if you worry about being able to finance uh, the next campus, would you raise your hand? Okay, all right, the the way that we do it, I'm just going to throw it out there and then we're going to go to Q&A. Every time we start a campus, we're in the black every time, day one, almost. The problem is a lot of times we have to borrow money in order to start that campus, but we can, we can underwrite or we can, we, can, we can cover the cost. If we're in the black, then that's not a problem, right? Cause you can cover it. But the debt kept going up and up. And then I started getting intimidated. Like what is the cap of our, how much debt is too much debt? So I started worrying about it. Started talking to people. Well, what I did is I got afraid. So I started slowing down the growth of our church. There's a lot of ways to do that. Raising up leaders slower, making them raise a whole lot of money in order to start, just slowing it down because I was afraid of the debt. Then I started praying, Lord, I'm a problem here. I am hurting the church. Give me a creative idea. And he did. And what we started doing, and it was the reason why we were able to start seven campuses last year. And this doesn't work every time, but it works often. And that is, instead of financing the vision and instead of raising the money before you start, why don't you find some people who will build the building for you and then lease it back to the church for five to six percent more than their cost and then you pay this off over the certain amount of years. So they're winning, they're taking their money out of money markets that are getting no return on their investment. Now all of a sudden they're getting five to six (laughs) percent on return of their money, and then after it's paid for, uh, they can deed you to property if they want to for a 50% write-off. So we started passing this by of business people in our church and business people who have never even heard of our church and sharing that vision with them. And they, they said, okay, so we're no longer incurring more debt, uh, and it's just costing us 5 to 6% more than if we did it ourselves. And uh, so they're building the buildings. They're buying the land sometimes, building the buildings sometimes, building it out, and even putting in FF&E if we want them to, like in the BB uh, campus. They just did it all. And, uh, and we just moved in uh, with someone else incurring the debt. Why is that good for us? Because we're in the black every time we go into a building, but now we're no longer incurring more debt. The people attend your church, they don't care if you own the building or not. No one ever says, well, I can worship today. We own this building. They don't care. They just want to know is we having church and we are having church because because of this idea that God dropped into my heart. We're able to add more campuses. Here's the second problem that we had. We no longer could keep up with the rate of leaders. So we were raising them up at grassroots level before. But now if we can start 6, 7, 8, nine, ten campuses a year, how are we gonna raise up leaders? So we started what we call the school of ministry. And the way we do it is the campus pastors actually have to sign off on who shows up. Uh, They're raising up people and they go, wow, this could be a future children's pastor. This could be a future youth pastor. This could be a future worship leader. This could be a future campus pastor Uh, and on and on it goes on Monday nights because these are people in their 30s and 40s. We already have a college for young kids, but these are people in their 30s and 40s who fill a call But there's no way to get to ministry. They're just busy. So on Monday nights, we teach them theology. Tuesday night, they pick their elective. Youth ministry, children's ministry, campus pastor. It wouldn't be uncommon for the campus pastors of the future to be at my house uh, or his home. And we're training them. These are hand-picked people by the campus pastors and they are ready. They come in with the character of God. They come in hungry. They've already been qualified. They're cool. They have all these factors. And now we're teaching them. This is how we lead meetings. This is how we prepare sermons. This is how we deal with sin. This is how we study the word. This is how we communicate. This is how we live at home. This is how we raise our kids. And we're teaching them. So we have curriculum now that we will share with you. With well, this curriculum is hallmarked been written. We're in We just finished our first year working on our second year in January of 2019, they will graduate and they are ready. So what we just unveiled to them uh, recently is, well, if you have a burden, cause remember earlier, I said, if you want to be a campus pastor, where has God called you? We don't pick the next city. We pick the next leader and the leader picks a city. So we're telling them that city that God has called you to go over there right now and start a small group and try to make it become a launch team and get it ready, try to find a building, get it ready. And the ones that are getting it ready, we're going to put them in and we're just ready to go. And then on top of that, we, we, we experimented with two campuses in the last 12 months that are set up teardown that have no expense at all, except for FF and for, for video, for sound, for lighting. Okay. And these guys, they, they are full-time employees somewhere else. Now, we already had a doctor who built a campus to 700 people without getting paid anything. So we already know it can happen. Now, we have these two campuses in very, very small cities that are small. There's only 150 people attending in Mayflower. There's like 200 people attending in Clarksville. These are small cities, but they're in the black. We just texted both of these campus pastors and told them we're starting to pay you now. And they're, they're like, what? And uh, so, so we, we're just building it up. It won't be long before there'll be, we have some cities with 4,000 people in it and 800 people attending. My son is in a town, how many people live in Greenbrier? 5,000? Uh, how many did you have last weekend? 780? 780. The building he's in is how big? 7,000. 7,000 square feet. That means 280 people in a sanctuary packed out with kids, three services, 780. Son, I'm proud of you. You're doing an incredible job reaching that city. Today. Very proud of you. So I just want to let you know, multi-site works everywhere. Don't discount, don't drive by a city thinking, oh, I want to get to this pretty city over here. You're passing cities that need the gospel. And, uh, and then we started a missionary, a missional campus last year. And the poorest place in Arkansas is Pine Bluff. This campus will never be able to give back to us financially. I thought. What I found out is a lot of people care about the poor. What's hard right now is to raise money for foreign missions. What's easy to do right now is to raise money for local missions. Because our nation is hurting and people are thinking about themselves. When you're in pain, it's hard to think about pain somewhere else. So I'm mad at the church because they're not thinking about foreign missions. Be aware of that. Jesus said the uttermost parts of the world, pay attention to Jerusalem, pay attention to Judea and Samaria, but the uttermost parts of the world. But I have noticed if you go to a poor community, your church, they'll show up because they want those people to be taken care of. This city in Pine Bluffs has buildings that are falling down and the bricks are on the streets and they don't have the money to sweep them up. So we started a campus there and the people started showing up with checkbooks and we, I just can't believe how great this, how many people are attending that campus? Got, might have, a little bit over four. Now. Over 400 people and it's, uh, it's like, don't drive through the city, yeah. okay? Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a dangerous place and no one wants to live there. But how dare you want to reach the state of Arkansas like us mm-hmm. without taking care of the most dilapidated city in the state so we're there and now looking for others so no matter what multi-site works and it's it's as missional and uh as compassionate and exciting as anything that we do as a church so there you have it
3: i'm we'll to do a little q and yeah, a here. Q and a i think we got a mic back here so if you got a question anything dealing with multi-site if you don't mind just raise your hand and then uh we'll move over there
0: Maybe you could um, just quickly talk about, is there an ideal size of the launch team that signals to you, green light, now is time to go? You've got the place, you've got the pastor, but then is there a certain amount of people that New Life's ecosystem say, now it's green light?
2: Great question. I mean, the ARC, Darren, you can chime in on this, but the ARC uh, accesses the people this way. They have a certain amount that you have to have on your launch team. There's a cer- certain amount of money that you have to raise. Uh, there's a certain amount of expectation that they do in the profiling and the study of that individual, the health of their marriage, their experience around a life-giving church. It goes on and on and on. Uh, the difference is when you're a campus, you don't have to raise your own resources. That's the responsibility of the church. Uh, so we can do a better profile than the Ark can. They have to bring somebody in and say, what's your name? I'm Joe. Tell us about you. And then they have to like, okay, I think you're in, uh, the Ark does an incredible job with that. It's hard to do. I'm shocked at how good they do it, but it's much easier for us. We know who has godly convictions. We, we know who lives right and who's influential. And so, um, it's very much like the Ark does it. The only difference is we stand by the money that it takes to get into that city. And then, uh, we have to have the same stamp of approval on their character traits than uh, the, as the Ark does. Is there a certain amount of people though
0: um, that you're set from the sending campuses that you, you know? A lot call? of our campuses
2: is so many people when we start. I mean, we just started in Benton and Bryant, and they started with gosh, 2,000 people the very first day, because we corralled them over uh, to to that that place. So. It's not fair for me to say because we we may go to, I just described two cities that are very small and they started with 150 people. Uh, So the assessment is not based on how many you can get there up until now, Uh, the assessment has always been how many people do we have living there who travel all the way in to this other campus and then we realize, wow, if we have the right leader, these people will go to that church. Uh, But what's gonna be coming up soon, as I've already mentioned, is our, our, our trainees, our people in our school of ministry, which if I could call our school of ministry anything I wanted, I would just call it church school because it, we're just teaching. Our name of our church is New Life Church. We're just church school. We're teaching you how to do church right here, exactly how we do it. If you listen, you're gonna succeed, but please stay humble and listen. And then we're asking them to go to areas that we've never even tapped into. And, uh, and some of those churches, they're gonna have to have a certain amount uh, I'm sure I'll assess it much like the, the Ark, 40 to 50 people uh, that are attending every week on a launch team uh, that are ready to go. And uh, But I'll never do it based on the math. I'll do it based on the study. I'll go in and really look at that city and see if it's right, see if the person is leading well. I'll go to meetings and see if it, it seems like it feels like New Life Church. I'll probably assess it that way much more than, than the ARC uh, has to.
3: Yeah, because a lot of times when we go into a city, we've already been there maybe for a few months as well. And what I mean by that, there's, there's sometimes a small group located there that's been meeting or they'll go in and just for several months, they'll have once a month, they'll just have a meeting where they're just sharing a vision. And so the key is to build that momentum because just like the ARC, we do want to launch big and strong. And, but when you look at a team of who's going, I think a lot of that goes back to your strengths of who you have on the team right now. Yeah. You know, and I think that's very important. When you start thinking about it, you're gonna send people out. Again, Rick talked about, again, the, the leadership pipeline, the school ministry that we do, because I think you gotta be deep. And so one of the areas you're gonna to have to go, if you're gonna launch, you gotta to have to have a worship pastor. And so one of the things that we emphasize a lot is worship, but we also have a worship leader that's constantly raising up worship pastors. Ooh, that's and because of that, it allows us to say, hey, okay, we can go out there. You know, and so I just think you've got to look at some of the key people that you need in a sense, you know, as far as a campus pastor, or worship pastor. I mean, you fill in the blank and you start thinking that's the group I want to start with. But you start building ahead of time. You don't wait till you get there, obviously, but you start building ahead of time and giving them opportunity prior to going there. You know, so if you're looking at wanting a worship leader, well, if they've never led worship in a crowd... You know, obviously, man, you, you need to get them in front of a crowd first before you lead them out there, and, and then all of a sudden they launch cold turkey, you know.
2: And I tell you, if you need, have any questions about raising up worship leaders, you can talk with Brandon. We'll be able to take one more question, but I wanna say this. For every thousand people that live in a city, I think you can, you can expect uh, 50 to 100 to attend your church and uh, if you do it right. And uh, generally speaking, that's, that's where we land. So, uh, last question right here, sir. Do we aren't we done right now, or do we have more time? Whoa! Great. Okay. We're, thank you for the extension. Someone go back to your uh, your scenario just a second ago. So you, you you got a campus here, five services. You're going to launch a second. That, that's kind of where we're at. When you launch that second, do you keep all five? Do you go down? according to that, and then build back? Great question. Is taking away a service losing momentum? Does planting a campus, taking away a service, does the campus, does it build enough momentum to take it away, or do you leave it? Great question. Very seldom do we cancel a service. Uh, Just to uh, brag a little bit, uh, there was a time where I was doing seven services every weekend, and uh, I did that, because we didn't have the ability to do video yet. It was before HD. And I was driving back and forth. Can you imagine that? Uh, and so it was all centered around me, you know. And then I started raising up other people. And uh, and then we started these campuses a certain amount of people would go. But I found that every time, it fills right back up rapidly. Shutting down a service is never a good idea for us for a temporal amount of time, in my opinion. Uh, because you lose all of those leaders, they no longer have function, there's not as many services for people to attend one and then serve one. And uh, some of our campuses every summer, they'll ask again, some of our campuses, can I shut down one of the for the summer? No, do And, uh, but they're gonna ask, they're gonna do it every time, and I, I, I can't think of a time where I agreed to it. And, uh, unless it was somebody who was not employed with us, they had a full time job and I was trying to respect their their, their schedule because the fall is coming. Let me just say something about the summer since we're getting close. How many of you, your attendance decreases some in the summer, would you admit? Okay, here's the truth, study the data. You really are not decreasing. You're actually growing. What's happening is the ratio of attendance is down. So the average person who might go two to three times year round in the summer, they go to one and two times, so it seems like, wow, uh, we're not growing. In fact, we're declining. No, you're still growing because you're not even dropping the equivalent amount of ratio of attendance. Because you're growing with visitors and in the fall, all the new people, plus your regular people go back to their routine and then, then you see. Well, if you cancel those services, you're going to, th- maybe you only have 50% of the people are attending that service, but keep it going. It's the service that's best for their family and their routine. Once you give it to them, keep it there. And uh, we, we, we just are not the church where you're going to go to or we cancel a lot of services. We've done it before, uh, but man, it takes a pretty good sales pitch to convince me to do that.
3: And I think it's important when you look at your services as well. When you, when you go to launch another campus, you know, you think, well, man, I'm doing five services. When you launch a campus, again, think about all the leaders that may go to that other yeah. campus. So we also look at it as, yes, yeah, an opportunity of our people to still attend a service, but it's also an opportunity to grow new leaders. And, and you guys know that. Anytime you send people out, it's an open door to bring other people in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, you look at New Life Church. People walk in, and they think, "Well, man, there, there's no there's no spot for me." Sometimes they might look around, you know, and it's like, "Well, there's tons of spots," you know, obviously. But man, when we launch a campus out of that campus, some people might take notice for the first month and realize, "Wow, man, there is a place for me to serve." So, I would encourage you guys to keep, like Pastor Rick saying, the service, not just the opportunity for the congregation. But also, again, it, it's going to force you to be thinking pipeline, leadership, you know, raising up people constantly with that. So I, I would just encourage that's a whole another area, too, of just a leadership pipeline by keeping all five services.
2: Now, the only time we ever cancel a service is, uh, if, if we're going to cancel a service, it's going to be when, a, when an auditorium has been increased. Let's say there's 500 seats in an auditorium, and, uh, and that's, that church, that campus has two services there, then they find a building that's, you know, much larger. Uh, they, you know, maybe they would go to one service in that situation. Or if they were at three, maybe they would go to two. Jason, right now, you are building uh, a new building. And uh, how big is that, that new building? 600. And see, it's not much different than what you can put in the auditorium right now where you are, correct? Just a couple hundred larger. But he's in a set-up teardown so so if that's the case why is he even moved because he's in a set up tear down and they found a permanent location so last question
3: yes yeah, so with the uh, smaller campuses that you launched do you ever do video worship i didn't hear what do you say you do did you say do you do video worship is that what you just said yes sir uh no but some people do and it
2: works really well we've Every now and then we'll talk about it uh, for, you know, as a g- give you examples that would bore you to death. Uh, but I do believe that someday that, that'll happen, um, you know, especially as these people are going out and raising up these campuses, uh, you know, almost uh, in cities that we, we have no influence in. Uh, there's a chance that no, the worship leaders also got to be called to that city. Maybe they'll be ready in a full team, maybe a children's pastor, maybe a youth pastor, maybe a senior pastor, uh, but no worship leader. And so there, there's a possibility that we would play around uh, with that. Uh, up until now, uh, our leader is so good at raising up worship leaders that we've been able to cover that. Uh, there's been seasons where it was hard, uh, but... Brandon, do you have any idea how many worship leaders you actually have? How many people can lead songs at our church? Do you have any clue? I mean, it's, it's so many. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm very proud of your ability. He's the best leader in our church. In our worship, I'm telling you, you can travel everywhere. Uh, you, you won't find that great a preaching at our church, but you will find incredible worship at our church.
3: And, I, and I th- let me just say something about that, because you're talking about, do you do video. I think it is important that sometimes it's okay to scale down. I think we've got to watch that when we launch that next campus. We're going to launch it with excellence. There's no doubt about that. But again, we're not going to launch the campus coming out of maybe a 5,000-member church, and then all of a sudden they're launching 100, and we want them to act like they're 5,000 members. Excellence is there, but again, if we have to scale down, it might just be two people on the stage leading worship. But again, we're not going to compromise excellence. But I do think you gotta look at scalability as well too of what you're doing.
2: And if you wanna know more, come and visit us. Come hang out, go to some of our campuses. Come on the weekend, see the church. If you can't come on the weekend because you're pretty busy on the weekend, then come during the week, hang out with our teams. If you wanna know more information, Darren, give them Allison's email in case they wanna uh, know.
3: It's A. Parker. A is an apple, P A R K E R, at newlifechurch.tv. We will help you with anything
2: you need things in HR, uh, things related to curriculum, things related to logos, uh, things that we, we create in branding and creative arts and video. We, we will serve you. Uh, so,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the letter A as an apple. P-A-R-K-E-R, a A Parker at newlifechurch.tv, like television.
2: Hey, if you're going to have multi-site, then just receive the spirit of multiplication. God is hes amazing right now. Jesus is going to come back in our lifetime, I believe. We have to win souls. I was very, I don't know, discouraged when God called me to a smaller state I thought like I can't reach as many people but then God gave me the multi-site vision and because of it uh, we can reach more people than I, than I could ever reach on my own. I thought because we were going to Arkansas one day we would have 200 people and, uh, and, and now we've seen uh, well over 70,000 decisions for the Lord. Attendance this last weekend it was 17,000 something and uh, we 34,000 at Easter I'm not, I'm not bragging, that's just not my style. I'm just saying, we're in Arkansas. There's, there's only 18 people that live there. So it just has to be God, okay? So multi-site works. If you, if you catch anything else uh, besides that, that multi-site works is that it works in every different style, every different way. And if we can help you, New Life Church is just like the rest of the ark. We care a lot about relationships. We want to serve you. We'll give you ideas. And, uh, and we'll even hand you our resources. God bless you and thank you for coming.